Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And as the calendar starts turning to the month of July, the Oregon Ducks have one of the best recruiting classes in the country. We're going to get you caught up to speed if you haven't been following along on how Oregon's class is on the verge of top five. If you guys aren't a member of DuckTerritory.com, I want to highly encourage you guys to do this right now. We're um, offering a $1 for your first month promotion, $9.95 there after that. You can sign up to DuckTerritory.com today for just $1. And that gets you in the door, inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. You get to read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network, not just our site. You get to read the USC site, the Washington site, Ohio State, Alabama. If, if Oregon's recruiting a guy that all these other schools are going after, you can get the full scoop, not just our, in, our intel. You get the whole story. Uh, access to Oregon Duck insiders like Eric, Kevin Wade, our coworker, myself, national regional writers, and you get exclusive recruiting coverage on the 24-7 Sports Network. You get all of that for just $1 for your first month, $9.95 thereafter that. All right. Oregon's recruiting class, Eric, we're into the month of July now. Uh, it's still a recruiting dead period, so the Ducks are still seeing the, the positive returns of being one of the few schools in the month of March before COVID-19 hit. Recruiting was shut down. College campuses were shut down. Football practice, everything was done. Country went into lockdown. Country went into quarantine, I should say. Um, Oregon was one of the few schools to get a lot of guys on campus for unofficial visits for the 2021-2022 recruiting class. And by being able to have a junior day in early March has paid dividends threefold. Oregon has 15 verbal commitments at this time. They are sixth in the country. They are literally just tenths of a point away from cracking into that top five and surpassing USC, who is fifth in the country. They're Trojans are first in the Pac-12. Oregon is second in the Pac-12. And, and like I said, it's literally razor-thin margins. You know, there could be a decommitment or Oregon could add a commitment and the Ducks will surpass USC. They're, they've been trending this way for the last couple of weeks throughout the month of June. And, you know, you look at this recruiting class, 15 total commitments. It's the third straight year where Oregon has a commitment from a five-star. That's Troy Franklin. He is the 30th best re recruit in the country one of the best re receiver prospects to ever commit to the Oregon Ducks. But it, it doesn't just end there with Troy Franklin. They also have a verbal commitment from a, a four-star quarterback in Ty Thompson, who recently just competed at the Elite 11 camp back in Nashville. You've got a running back commit and four-star running back, Seven McGee. You've, you've got two receivers, one Franklin, another one is Kyron Ware Hudson, another four-star receiver from the high school of Matter Day, uh, Powerhouse High School. You've got two four-star tight end commitments as well, a position that was needed to be, to be filled uh, with at least one player. The Ducks now have two. 
probably two of the best tight ends out West have committed to Oregon. Three offensive line commits. Uh, all three of them are four-star recruits. Uh, the Ducks have a defensive line commit as well, and they have two linebacker commits and three defensive back commits. Um, most recently, from, from an Oregon perspective, the line, from DB perspective, uh, Jalen Davies, teammate of Kyron Ware Hudson at Matter Day, um, he is the four-star cornerback, you know, 12th best player at the position. Oregon has, has done a really good job. 15 verbal commitments through the month of June going into July now. And Oregon's probably getting close to that period where they're running out of room. Spots are starting to become limited. Don't see them landing any more tight ends. It's going to be difficult to see them add another quarterback into this mix. Maybe a running back. Maybe. Um, maybe one or two more receivers along this group. Offensive lines getting tight. You know, maybe you want to find uh, an outside linebacker or two, but inside linebacker seems pretty pretty firm with, with Keith Brown and his verbal commitment. Um, it's going to be interesting to track now that Oregon spots are starting to, to, get, to get full. Who do they go after? Who commits? And the, the targets that are still on the board for Oregon are pretty impressive. You, you've got a couple five-stars, number one player in the country, JT Tuomalu. You've got Corey Foreman the number two player in the country, both out West, both are considering Oregon, both have Oregon in their top five. You've got Kingsley Soa Matia, an offensive tackle, who's a four-star player, one of the better players in the country at his position, the top lineman out West. He's high on Oregon. Uh, you've got Bryce Foster, another offensive lineman. Defensively on the other side, Oregon's still involved with a bunch of four-star cornerbacks. They're involved with some four-star linebackers as well four-star defensive lineman. Um, Oregon's potential for this class is still through the roof, and we'll discuss that further down the road on, of this show. But through the month of June, going into July now, I think, Eric, real quick, I think this class is going about as perfectly as possible in terms of the quality and the quantity that the Ducks have. I think when Mario Cristobal said, and I think this was back in April, that he expected this was going to be the best class he signed at Oregon. I think there was, I don't want to say skepticism, but it was kind of like, wow, because at the time I think he only had like five or six verbal commitments. And it was kind of like, wow, he sees something. Um, and then you look up now and we're in July and yeah, the class is near the top five nationally. There's a five-star recruit. There are 10 more four stars. Um, they've hit, they've addressed basically every single position on the team, especially offensive, I think defensively they have some work to do on the defensive line and probably some more work at linebacker and in the secondary. But I mean, they've, they've basically addressed everything. I mean, you look through there, there's not a lot of holes in this recruiting class. And I think that's part of what makes it so exciting. It's not just because of the stars. It's the fact that you look up and down this and, and it's wide receivers and quarterbacks and offensive linemen and inside linebackers and corners. And I'm just running down the list of the commitments here. And those are the positions of the top rated recruits and tight ends and running backs and offensive guards and another tight end and a center and an offensive tackle and corners. And there's so much talent and it's at so many different positions. I think it's just been a really impressive effort from a staff as a whole. Um, you mentioned him earlier, Matt, Troy Franklin, the headliner of this class, five-star recruit. Um, the, the, I think he's the last five-star recruit, if I'm not mistaken. 30th nationally um, in the composite, a player that we both absolutely love. What, what is it about Franklin you think that looking at this class, I guess, does he feel like he's the headliner to you? I mean, does he feel like somebody that could could be that when they sign or kind of how do you look at Franklin in terms of his impact for, for this program? 
Yeah, I, I think he's the headliner right now. And unless Oregon is going to go out and sign a Corey Foreman or a, a JT Tuamalu, maybe some you know highly rated defensive line prospect. I, I don't know how Troy Franklin isn't then um, the crown jewel, the headliner, the thing that sticks out the most with this re- recruiting class because he's a receiver that quite frankly just Oregon hasn't had before. And he's six foot two, six foot three, very athletic, good top end speed, has a really long stride. So he covers a lot of ground, has a, a, a quick get off off the line of scrimmage, meaning he's fast when he gets running, but he's also very quick to, to get out of his stance and get, and get going down the field. And those types of players just always seem to make a ton of plays. And they, they always are the ones when you, when you watch Ohio state, when you watch LSU, when you watch Clemson, Alabama, USC, these schools, their receivers are just different than everybody else's. And they're physically bigger. They're physically strong faster they cover more ground across the middle of the field and when I look at Troy Franklin this is a guy that that resembles receivers that play for those schools and I I look at him as someone that could literally show up day one and maybe be Oregon's best receiver running through the rest of the top five here Matt I'm going to just kind of I'll run through I'm going to ask you to pick maybe the guy that you have the most enthusiasm for of these top five recruits after Franklin. So after Franklin, Ty Thompson, we've run through this already a little bit, but four-star quarterback out of Arizona, 80th nationally. Um, I think somebody with room to, to move, improve his ranking to going forward. Um, third offensive tackle, Bram Alden, also from the Arizona area, 87th nationally. I know he's somebody um, with some pretty significant upside. In-state recruit, Keith Brown, an inside linebacker, the fourth top 100 recruit. He's 99th nationally. And then, the fifth rated recruit and one of the most recent recruit that has committed Jalen Davies. Uh, you mentioned him earlier, a cornerback commit out of matter day, that powerhouse. He's 129th nationally. And there's a bunch of other recruits we should mention that are in the, the top 200. And then even recruits that are below that, that remain four-star recruits, 11 four-star recruits in this class. But of those top five guys, and I guess we'll exclude Franklin because we just spoke on him a little bit, but Thompson, Walden, Brown, and Davies. Is there one of those guys that you hear his name and, and maybe you, your ears perk up a little bit more? Do you have a, a, a player that, that kind of gets your uh, juices flowing, I guess I would say, uh, in terms of what they are as a recruit? You know, I, I go back to Bram Walden, offensive tackle from Scottsdale, Arizona, because he comes from a high school where Oregon hasn't had a lot of history of going in there and in landing their best players. It's a school that produces a ton of talent every year, Pac-12 talent, Oregon-level talent, talent that Ohio State recruits and Alabama recruits. And, you know, the best schools in the country are recruiting that high school every single year. And Oregon's now starting to, to land players from there. They've landed two prospects two, in two classes, back-to-back classes from the high school at, that Bram Walden attends. And um, I think that's the one that I gravitate towards the most because – if you're going to win a championship, you have to dominate the line of scrimmage on either side of the football. And Bram Walden is one of the best offensive tackles in the country. He's the 14th best player at that position, 87th best player in the country, regardless of position. And he's one of the best offensive tackles out West. I think he's actually the second best or third best offensive tackle out West. And so if you pair him with a Kingsley Suomatia, who hasn't yet committed yet, but if he does, 
you now landed, you know, two of the, of the three best offensive tackles out West. And if you can consistently do that every single year, you know, land the best lineman at each position out West, you're going to have a leg up on the rest of your competition. And so I think that's the first one, but I also go back to Jalen Davies cornerback. You mentioned, you know, one of the most recent commits for Oregon. He comes from another school in SoCal. That's a powerhouse out, you know, nationally and, and matter day. And this is, uh, you know, a school five, 10 years ago was deemed impossible for anyone other than USC to go in and get the best players. Every year they, they produce a handful of Pac-12, Power 5 level guys. And it, it was viewed as a school that quite honestly, their best player players were going to go to USC. It was almost a given. It was nearly impossible for anyone outside of USC, maybe UCLA, to go into that school and, and nab their, their best players. And Oregon has bucked that trend and has started to go in and land its best players. And other schools outside of USC have started to get some success in there as well. But I think Oregon is kind of the hot name now for that high school's best players. And Davies just continues that trend. And, and I look at him as someone that also has positional versatility. He's 6'1", maybe even six, close to 6'2", and can play safety, can play corner, can play nickel, um, in a way, kind of very similar to what Javon Holland was like coming out of high school and that he could play all over the field. And it, I'm not going to say that Davies is going to play safety at Oregon, but he gives them that flexibility that Holland does. And when you have versatility at, at any sport, at any position, at any profession, your team is better off. And Davies is, is going to do that as well. He's going to give – Oregon, a lot of versatility, a lot of um, talent in, in that secondary. And that's, that's going to be really important, I think, down the road. And Davies is, is Eric, part of a lot of guys on this class that kind of segue to the next segment here has some historical context towards this class. Um, let's look at the offensive side first. What are the, a couple things historically that, that this class is trending towards, you know, setting records or, or adding to a, a history that's starting to develop now with Mario Cristobal? Well, I think the first one here is there are nine four-star offensive verbal commitments in this class. <clears throat> and you go back the last 10 years, they've never <clears throat> had any more than that number. And I should say nine, four, or five-star verbals, um, basically non-three-star verbal commitments. You go back, and in 2018, they also signed nine offensive four- or five-star verbal commitments, but no other year really even comes that close to it. Um, I guess in 2019, they had seven. But other than that, it's four, five, only one in 2017 class. Um, so that's significant to me. And that's a class that's incomplete. And it's pretty clear looking at what else is out there. And you did a good job earlier running through some of the names that are still on the board, a lot of which are offensive players. Off the top of my head, I can think of three or four four-star or better offensive players that Oregon still maybe is even in the driver's seat for. Um, they're going to sign, I think, pretty clearly, unless something drastic changes here, um, more four- or five-star offensive commitments than they ever have, um, at least since 2010. And, and I didn't go back to 2001 when they ranking started, but I'm going to guess probably that's the case as well. So I think that part is a significant way of looking at it. Um, a couple more on offense here. Um, if they were to add 
Dante Thornton, another one of these players a second ago, I was just talking about players that maybe our Oregon is, is leading for. Thornton is one of those guys. If they were to land him, they would have three of the top 10 wide receiver commitments or signees in this class in program history, at least going back to 2001. And they would have five of the 10 best wide receiver recruits during that span on the roster um, for the 2021 season. So that puts it into some perspective of just how great this wide receiver group has a chance to be. Obviously they need to go out and, and still land Thornton. Um, Xavier Worthy would not have been in the top 10. He's another recruit that Oregon is in, in good standing for at wide receiver. Um, I think a player that has a chance to move up quite a bit in those um, composite rankings. Um, and then a last one here on offense, um, they have at least one top five commitment at quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line. So um, outside of running back, where Seven McGee, we should note, is fairly highly rated, but Oregon's just had a lot of really good running back commitments over the years. You think of the Thomas Tyners and Royce Freemans and um, – these, these are in program history, right? Yeah. Like, these, are, of- these are program history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was room for somebody like McGee to maybe be in a top five, but Oregon's just had so much success historically. You look at their, their top ten – running or top 10 all-time commitment rankings and the running back position comes up a lot because there's just been a lot of really good running backs, but every other offensive position besides running back, there's at least one commitment who is among the five best commitments or signees Oregon has had since 2001 in this class. So offensively things are looking pretty darn good. Defensively feels like the, the success is equal. Like they're, they're still making headway, Still, you know, historically within a program perspective, you know, landing some of the best players all time. Keith Brown certainly fits there. Um, I just pulled this up. He is the best player to commit or sign from the state of Oregon since 2011 um, when Colt Lyerla committed uh, to Oregon. And he's the third highest rated Oregon commitment um, ever. Oh, sorry, fourth behind Kellen Clemens, Curtis White, and Colt Lyerla. So Keith Brown, another player, if he were to move up a little bit in these rankings, he's not that far off of Lyerla and White. If he were to move up a little bit in up in you know future rankings, he could be maybe even the second highest rated in-state commit Oregon has had since 2001. And I think that almost gets a little overlooked because you run through these offensive guys, and I do think there's some good defensive recruits in this class, but offensively is where the, the, star, the stars really come out in terms of the rankings. But Brown, I think, is somebody who um, is pretty significant. He's a top 100 recruit. You don't get a lot of players from the state of Oregon that fit that quota. You know, it kind of happens every two or three cycles maybe. Um, so for Oregon to have, have held him in check, and obviously he's one of the leaders kind of, of getting this recruiting class going, Brown's a big one. And then the last one here that kind of shows just the all-time you know, commitment list here kind of just shows the totality of this class. Five of the top 50 recruits to ever – commit or sign with Oregon are in this class. And I should note Chiron where Hudson is the 51st recruit. So it's six of the top 51 and eight of the top 100 recruits in program history. Um, again, back to 2001 when these rankings were started are in this cycle. So, I mean, that's pretty dang impressive. Um, six of the top 50 recruits, um, you know, that's like one out of, you know, one in eight. I mean, that's, that's pretty darn good. Um, for this cycle. So a lot of impressive stuff. And again, a lot of room to grow. I mean, Oregon only has 15 verbal commitments. They're going to add, I don't know, six to eight more, Matt. Um, Room for this class to have even more impressive uh, historical relevance, I think. Yeah, I I think there's the way things are trending. We're probably going to have to re-update this historical context 
piece <laughs> later on because of some of the names that are on the board still and their top 100 recruits, their five-star recruits, their top 10 recruits that are looking at Oregon seriously. And while I'm not going to sit here and say Oregon's going to sign like a Corey Foreman, the number two player in the country, um, I'm not going to make that prediction today. It also wouldn't necessarily be the biggest shock in the world. Like, would it, if, if Oregon landed Corey Foreman, who comes out of Southern California, the Ducks have landed the number one player in the state of California the last two years. Don, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was the number two recruit in the country two years ago and has, has come to Oregon, has had success, plays along the defensive line just like Corey Foreman does. Justin Flo is, you know, was the number one linebacker in the country from Southern California, the top player last year in the 2020 cycle. He's at now at Oregon. It wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if Corey Foreman, who's now the number one player in the state of California, another defensive player, defensive end, said, hey, you know what? I'm going to continue the trend. I'm going to go to Oregon. It, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. And one thing I, I'm going to be really curious to see the, the second half of this cycle and, and just watching from a historical standpoint is I don't know, Eric, if Oregon has signed – two five-star recruits or more in back-to-back years. Um, it's no. happened. I don't think it has. The Ducks signed three last year. They've got one right now in Troy Franklin. Can they find a second one to add into that class? That's going to be something really fun to watch. Yeah, no, the, the, the answer is no to back-to-back years. Um, Oregon has signed five five-star commitments under Mario Cristobal. They had 13 total. Um, so that was eight prior to his start as a, as a head coach. And you look through the years here, there actually um, is, yeah, there's no overlap like at all prior to this recent class. So yeah, no, yeah, that, this would definitely be, that, if that does take place and they land a guy, like you mentioned, like a foreman and he's a five-star, that would absolutely be another piece of history there in terms of the relevance of back-to-back years with two or more five-star recruits. And that's, I mean, that's a far cry from what they were before. I've got some of the data from the four and five star stuff prior to Cristobal for something else we're working on. And uh, let's just put it this way. What Mario is working on now is really impressive from a recruiting perspective. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to continue our recap and assessment of Oregon's recruiting class after the break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. We're continuing 
our deep dive into Oregon's football recruiting class in 2021. Currently a top 10 class, just outside the top five. They've got multiple verbal commitments in the fold right now on both sides of the football that are four-star prospects. We're going to continue this trend of looking of what could come next for Oregon. And I think right now, Eric, um, what could come this month in the month of July? What, what is on the docket for the ducks? And there could be some more historical, you know, impacts here because we look at, there's, I think, I think you're safe to say Eric, two names that really stand out in terms of players that could make verbal commitments this month. The first is Xavier worthy, a four-star receiver out of the Fresno, California area. One of the, you know, a guy that has, has seen a huge rise in his recruiting ranking went from outside the, the top, I think 200 now nationally for us at 24 seven sports. He's the 95th best player in the country, the 11th best receiver. He was going to make a verbal commitment on June 27th, uh, just a couple days ago, ended up backing off that commitment and, Look, we're, we're recording this a couple days before its original published date. Um, it wouldn't have been a surprise to me if Xavier Worthy had committed by the time this, pro, by this podcast is published. Um, if, if, he, if he hasn't, I still think he's on track towards a July verbal commitment. The Oregon Ducks are one of the favorites. All eight predictions that have been cast – in our, in our crystal ball predictions, say Oregon, they've all pretty much got high prob- um, high confidence level in those picks. Worthy would be another player, right, Eric, where you've done a film review of Worthy. He, oh, would, yeah. just, he would be just a dynamic piece to this offensive puzzle, especially at the receiver spot. Oh, there's no doubt about it, man. And I, we've talked about this before, and, and I think we've mentioned the comparison that, that Brandon Huffman made. And, and having watched his film, and anybody who hasn't, I think you go check it out, um, is Deshaun Jackson. And it's, I think it's a very fair comparison. He is so explosive. Um, he's one of the best sprinters nationally. He's a 10-5, 100 guy. I think he finished third in the state of California as a sophomore um, uh, in 100 meters. And that's, I mean, that's a state that is loaded with sprinters. So, He's a speed guy, but he's also, you go watch him, he's not just straight line. He's extremely explosive running laterally. He's quick and can, you know, stop on a dime. And he's got, he catches the football. He's a football player who's fast. He's not a fast guy trying to play football. And I think that's a distinction that's important to make. Um, If he were to commit to Oregon, he would be the 68th best recruit um, Oregon has ever signed, according to the all-time commitment rankings. And again, I think he's somebody who has a chance to, you talked about his recruiting ranking starting to skyrocket right now. I think 24-7 is ahead of the curve here, and I'm going to guess the other services that are included in the compositor are going to take notice of Worthy, especially if the seasons are played in California. I guess if they're not, maybe it would get lost. he get lost in the, you know, slip through the cracks a little bit. But I could see him being somebody significantly higher um, than that positioning when he does, uh, I guess, you know, when the rankings are frozen sometime in February. Um, it, from a context perspective, if he does commit, he'd be between Kirk Merritt, who is a short, he didn't play, he wasn't at Oregon very long, and then he'd be right above Jalen Red, um, current receiver for the Ducks. So that puts a little perspective of kind of where he would fit into the all-time commitment rankings. With Xavier Worthy, we're, we're still waiting on when he makes uh, that commitment. We don't have a date yet. We're, we're, we're waiting on that one. One player that we do know is going to commit in the next week or so, 
It's four-star defensive tackle, defensive end, I should say, Keanu Williams. He will make his verbal commitment on July 11th. He's considering Oregon, Stanford, Cal, UCLA, USC. And this is another one in which Oregon has there, – there's only three crystal ball predictions at the time of this recording, and all of them are for the Ducks. And Brandon Huffman, national recruiting editor, Steve Wiltfong, Greg Biggins, if you follow recruiting, three really – big names in the world of college football recruiting reporting. Uh, three, probably the three most trusted names in all of college football recor- recruiting um, reporting. And all three of them believe he's going to go to Oregon. And right now, this is another guy from you know the Fresno area. He's from Clovis. It's a small city outside of Fresno. Uh, a guy that, that, that can play, I think, any position – along the defensive line. He can play D-tackle. He probably is more of a, of a strong end than a, than, um, a, a, a weak side defensive end. But I, I think the thing that stands out the most with Keanu Williams is that he gives you, yet again, more versatility along the Oregon defensive line. Yeah, he's a big, strong guy, and, and I think there's room for him to play a couple of different positions. He's listed as a defensive end. Um, from a recruiting ranking perspective, 312th in the composite, a score of 0.8958. Not quite as highly rated as some of these other four stars, but still he would act as another one of these four stars. And Mario Christopal certainly adds a lot of those um, over the last couple of cycles. And again, we've got some data on that. We'll talk about it in a future show. But um, if Williams was added, he would jump in at – actually, he has the exact same score as Darren Thomas. So he'd be the 134th highest rated Oregon commitment and, and with Williams like you were talking about a second ago Matt I, I think he's somebody who could see him at a couple different spots um, he's big he's strong he's pretty darn explosive for his size um, and I think somebody who maybe has room to after a redshirt year really blossom I, I think you know once he kind of figures out his frame a little bit and kind of where he fits in I think he has a huge upside so um, again, all, all these guys Oregon is targeting and having success with, these are big-time recruits because Oregon is going big game hunting, um, and Williams is certainly another one of those guys. I don't know if there's another player out there right now that we're tracking for an immediate verbal commitment. Um, maybe a Kingsley, Sal Matia, maybe a Dante Thornton. Both those guys, though, have come out and said they, they want to take visits. But look, recruiting dead period just got extended through the month of August. I mean, August was already a dead period for, from a recruiting perspective, but there was some discussion of because July was gone, because June was gone, because May, April, March, all these months were eliminated. There was some discussion that the NCAA was going to maybe allow visits to happen if a, if a player wanted to take them during the month of August. And that no longer is the case. And quite honestly, I don't know if, if you can go out there and, and safely assume that all of a sudden September is going to be a month in which prospects can take visits. Um, campuses can open up. Schools can host guys for visits. It's going to be interesting to, to watch. Um, seeing where this, this dead period continues to get pushed back, maybe guys that were on the fence of wanting to make visits, maybe that plays into their decision of saying, you know what? I was already kind of leaning towards school X. I'm just going to commit. We might see that play out with a couple guys in the month of July, but I don't know if there's anyone else out there yet that we can definitively say, yeah, this guy is, is 
is trending this way in, in terms of committing. Now, what's the potential of this class to finish? Um, Eric, you've looked at the class calculator. I've looked at the class calculator. We know that Oregon's, you know, a, a big-time player for some of the best players in in the country. I mean, we've we've mentioned it multiple times on this show already that they're involved in the top five for both the number one and the number two players in the country. Um, we look at this class that they could still add a, a Bryce Foster, a Kingsley Suomatia, a Dante Fortin, maybe, you know, a, a, maybe a surprise flip or two that's, you know, top 100 prospect. Um, are you buying into the fact that this class is going to finish best class in school history, knowing with the idea that they're probably not going to sign a full 25? Yeah, I think I'm pretty close to, to feeling that way. Um, you look at that 2019 class, and of course, that's the, the highest rated class in Oregon history, and that was ranked seventh nationally. Um, a total score of 277.98. Um, well, Oregon is currently at sixth nationally and with 15 commitments at 244.66. If they were to add eight more commitments and let's say six or four star commitments. I, I don't have, I, I'm not putting all this into the class calculator now, but I have in the past. I'm very confident that's going to be significantly better um, than what Oregon had in 2019. I, I don't know if it's going to, I mean, I think it would probably be somewhat close. I don't think Oregon can get to 300 points, obviously that's typically either the top class or one of the top three. Um, but I think Oregon's going to have a, a, certainly a new record composite score. And that could be a score maybe in the 280s somewhere, maybe even close to 290. Um, and, the, and that would, I think, put them pretty assuredly in the top five. Um, you look at the way the last couple of cycles have played out. If you sign a class that has a ranking in the 280s to 290s, you're pretty much assured a top five class. So I think Oregon is going to both sign. And again, this is based upon where things are right now and what the trends look like. A lot can change. But based upon where the trajectory seems like, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's actually really likely that Oregon signs the, the highest rated class that they've signed in school history, both from a ranking perspective and from a composite ranking score point perspective. I look at this as a, a very critical junction in the trajectory of Oregon football, because if they can, if, if they've done a really good job on the recruiting show the last two seasons in particular, um, I think that, 2017 class while it's not as as heralded as the next two the 2018 2019 the next three really 18 19 and 20 um that 2017 class is gonna we're gonna look back as that one was a really critical one in terms of it helped elevate the standard at Oregon helped bridge a gap and you know kept Oregon from fluttering too far down uh, the pecking order of schools. I think the 2021 class could be similar in which it helps continue the elevation of Oregon from going from a school that was contending for the PAC 12 to a school that's going to win the PAC 12 and compete for a national championship and potentially even win it because you've got two really strong best, you know, top two classes ever in program history in, in 19 and 20 and 2021, if they can do, if they can, top both those classes and win on the football field at the same time, we could be going into an era in which the best players in the country, regardless of where they're from, regardless of who Oregon has on the roster already, 
is going to seriously consider them and all it's going to take is a staff that's really good at recruiting to do their jobs to land some of those players where it could become the norm where Oregon is consistently winning the conference and consistently landing a top 10 recruiting class. I just threw a class calculator here together. If Oregon has four more verbal commitments, we mentioned all four of these guys in the show, Dante Thornton, Kingsley Suomatia, Xavier Worthy, and Keanu Williams, that would put them at 275 points, which would put them two points shy, almost three points shy of what they did back in 2019. And that's with just 19 verbal commitments. So um, yeah, I think it's trending in that direction pretty clearly here. Um, and barring a bunch of stuff going, uh, you know, against Oregon's way, and that can't happen in the recruiting cycle sometimes, you know, it's not impossible. But if they if they land those four commitments that, again, that we've talked about, and those are guys that Oregon is in, I think, 100% crystal ball advantage for all four of those players, it would be right on the cusp of being better than that 2019 class. And that's still with room to add, I don't know, three to five more recruits possibly, maybe even more. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's possible. It, it could be a couple more than, than three. Um, seeing where this class could go is, is, I think, one of the best things, you know, a Duck fan could do if they want to just get crazy and have fun is seeing playing with that class calculator and, you know, throwing the names that we've discussed that Oregon's a serious player for into and seeing where it goes and seeing how high this class lands. Um Let's let's wrap this this episode up with players to watch um, on on this side of the ball on each side of the ball for for a commitment. I think there's a couple guys. I mean, we've mentioned Worthy, we've mentioned Keanu Williams already. And while I've I've I'm gonna give one name out there that I think while Oregon isn't the leader today, Eric. I, I, I think Oregon has a better chance than people really think in landing one of Corey Foreman or JT Tuumalu. Um, oh. That's one and two players in the country. I'm not going to say that they're going to land one for sure, definitively, but I'm leaning more and more towards coming out and saying, like, Oregon, if, if games are played during – this 2020 football season and Oregon has the year that we think they have and they win the conference championship and it doesn't matter if they make the playoff, I think, but if they win the league and they get to, I think it would be the Fiesta bowl because it's a replacement for the Rose bowl because the Rose bowl is hosting one of the two playoff games. Um, if they get to the Fiesta bowl and they win their league and they win, you know, 11 regular season games, which counts the, the, the conference championship game. And, or 12 even, or they go undefeated and they're 13-0. and 0. Um, If that scenario plays out and knowing where Oregon staff is at in terms of how well they recruit, I think there is a very good chance that one of those guys comes to Oregon. And for the third straight year, they land one of, you know, a top five player in the country. And that's how you make the next jump from being – a school that's contending for conference championships to a school that's going to win a national championship. And now you're leaving these listeners with the thoughts of a defensive front seven that could include Kayvon Thibodeau at one defensive end, maybe Corey Foreman or JT Tuamalu at the other, uh, with Noah Sewell and Justin Flo at linebacker. That's like four guys right there that are potentially top 10, top 15 NFL draft picks, maybe even higher. So <laughs> things are doing too bad right now. 
Yeah, Oregon is recruiting at another level. Uh, pretty special time, and hopefully you guys have kind of enjoyed this this recap. Maybe we'll, we'll do these a little bit more often, kind of deep dives into the class. Um, we certainly have a lot to watch for over the next four or five months as signing day gets closer and closer in July. Um, a ton to, to monitor, a ton to watch. You can jump on to duckterritory.com for more coverage of the recruiting class and the process of how Oregon's getting there. So for Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Prem, thank you for listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later, fellas.